You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. First of all, we need to put ourselves in that place where God can speak to us. You know, where we come here expecting God to speak, where we're open to the Word of God, through the teaching of the Word of God. And we're humbling ourselves before God. And whatever God has to say to us, if if there's things that need to be corrected within our lives, then we're more than willing to, you know, go with that uh, counsel. So the first thing that we need to do is put ourselves in the place where God can speak to us. Samuel's mentor, Eli, had faced a lot of resistance to the message God had given him. The culture around him was hostile to God and the truth he wanted to reveal. Eli just couldn't seem to get through to the people. But as much as he may have failed to have direct the impact on society that he may have hoped, as Pastor Mike will point out in today's message, Eli's heart was open to see the way that God wanted to work in Samuel. In him, he was able to take part in God's bigger, better plan. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3 as he begins his message, Your Servant Hears. Let's begin by reading 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, that is Eli the high uh, priest, just as, by the way, Aaron and his sons uh, did at their consecration as priests. Notice we are also told, though, there in verse 1, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, that would be in the days of Uh, judges, there was no widespread revelation. Now, why was that? Why was it that God didn't speak to his people? Well, simply because of the hardness of the hearts of God's people, but also because of that during this time, the priesthood had become corrupted. So that's the reason why God didn't speak. Verse 2, and it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. You know, many Bible uh, commentators have suggested that not only uh, was Eli, because of his old age, becoming physically blind, but also he had also become spiritually blind. And we've talked about that in one of our previous uh, studies. Well, anyway, his age uh, had made him ineffective in carrying out his calling and his ministry as the high priest. Verse 3, And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, remember at this time 
The temple hadn't been built in Jerusalem as of yet. And so the tabernacle, uh, the place where God's people met with God and offered up their sacrifices, was located in Shiloh. And so before the lamp of God, this is a reference to the lampstand or the menorah, went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Uh, and while Samuel was lying down, and uh, so obviously uh, they would uh, tend to the lampstand throughout the day until sunrise, and so the reference to uh, until the, the lamp of God went out, so tending to the lampstand up, right up until sunrise or the break of dawn, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered and said, Here I am. And so he ran to Eli and said, you see, he didn't realize that it was God speaking to him. He rather thought it was the high priest Eli calling him. And anyway, Samuel said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, that is Eli, I did not call. Lie down again. Go back to where you were. Go back to sleep. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And so Samuel arose and went to Eli the second time and said, here I am for you called me. But Eli said and answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. So he sent him back. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And so he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. But notice then, then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. That, in other words, he was trying to get Samuel's attention. He was speaking to Samuel. Verse 9, Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you once again, that you may say, must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. That's where we get the title of this message from. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. Father, we pray now that you bless our time together as we uh, study this chapter here in the book of 1 Samuel. God, I pray that we would learn all of the lessons that are contained within it. Lord, minister to each one in that very relevant and personal uh, way. Tailor this message to meet specific needs. God, encourage, strengthen, challenge, rebuke if necessary. Lord, just move us closer to you. But more than anything else, we pray that we would be able to see Jesus here in this chapter. God, we thank you for providing this opportunity. Bless each one, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me set up this Bible study for you. Samuel, at this time, was about 12 years old. And with Eli's, the high priest, his sight failing him, his assistant, Samuel, was given the administration of caring for the lamp or the menorah. And there's some directions provided for us in the book of Leviticus in chapter uh, 27 in verse uh, 20 as it relates to directions in taking care of the lampstand or the menorah. The priests were, their uh, ministry, what was involved was that they were to uh, trim the wicks, uh, they were to fill the bowls of the lampstand uh, with oil, so those just some of the things that they needed to take care of. Now, Samuel was also given the responsibility of opening and closing the door of the tabernacle at the beginning and at the end of each day. Notice according to verse 15 and what is recorded there for us here in chapter 3. Now, late one night, as we've already uh, mentioned in our text, or else early in the morning, because notice, for, we are told, for the lighted candlestick had not yet gone out there in verse 3. 
So it was either early in the morning uh, or late at night. We're not quite sure. But Samuel was awakened by the sound of someone calling his name, according to verse 4. He thought it was Eli, and so he ran to where Eli was sleeping. But no, Eli had not called, and Samuel returned to where he was lying down. Well, that continued several times, as we've just mentioned, and each time Samuel was sent back to where he had gone to sleep. Now, previously, notice, Samuel had not received any communication directly from God, because we are told, let's go back to verse 7 for a moment. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. So God hadn't previously spoken directly uh, to uh, Samuel. Okay, so Eli realized here that it was the Lord that was calling to the boy. Now, that brings us to our first point, an obvious conclusion, or the writing on the wall. Now, who am I referring to? Well, I'm actually referring to Eli. You see, I bet it was also at this time that Eli had a sense of being swept aside and was going to be replaced by his protege, young Samuel. And yet there is no pride, there's no jealousy that came into play here. There's no withholding of any information uh, that Samuel needed. There's no resentment. Remember, Eli just says, go back to where you've been sleeping, and if you hear uh, someone calling you again, it's, the, it's God, and just respond, here I am, uh, speak. I, I, you know, I think that it's at this time that Eli, knowing full well that his office was now being given to another, and thus he instructs Samuel in what he should do. Listen, Eli, we've talked about this in our previous study, Eli was beat down. I mean, think about it. The many years of Israel's apostasy, their worshiping of Canaanite gods, they rejected his many warnings. There also at this time was civil wars. There was unrest amongst the tribes. There were also wars involving enemies at Israel's borders. So all of these combined in Eli just really being cast down and uh, discouraged. So in desperation, with the priesthood becoming increasingly corrupt, as we talked about last time, Eli had turned to his sons who had been reared in his own home and made them helpers in Shiloh. Now, this was a huge mistake on Eli's part. But the last crushing blow came to him when he was made aware of their evil practices. Remember last time we went through them. It's recorded first in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, and then once again in verse 22. And there we were told, as the people came to the tabernacle to offer their sacrifices, Eli's sons would rob God of what, of what was rightfully uh, his. And they were also guilty of seducing the women who served in the tabernacle and had sexual relationships with them. They handled holy things with unholy hands. So Eli truly is beat down. He's worn out. And I think that he was expecting to be replaced by someone, and that someone was uh, Samuel. Now that brings us to our second point this morning, and that is thriving in a hostile environment. Okay, so now, passing by that scene, here's Samuel. 
He is being tested in the same environment as was Eli and his sons under the same conditions. And yet he has not been corrupted by the evil influences surrounding him. He is more resolute and he is ready for God to speak to him. Now, how was that? How did, in fact, I think we should address that question. How exactly was it that Samuel was ready for God to speak to him? And the way that Samuel made himself ready is the very same way that we make ourselves ready to receive of the Lord, for God to speak to us. You know, first of all, we need to put ourselves in that place where God can speak to us. You know, where we come here expecting God to speak, where we're open to the word of God, through the teaching of the word of God. And we're humbling ourselves before God. And whatever God has to say to us, if there are things that need to be corrected within our lives, then we're more than willing to, you know, go with that uh, counsel. So the first thing that we need to do is put ourselves in the place where God can speak to us. So let me ask you this question. I want you to think about this. And I think that this is significant. Have you made yourself ready for God to speak to you? Or have you surrounded yourself with all sorts of worldly distractions? You know, these are things that stand in the way for God to be able to speak to you. When was the last time you heard his voice in a very real way, in a real personal way? And and, and you know what I'm talking about here. You know, it's funny, you know, sometimes someone comes to me and says, you know, Pastor Mike, I feel as if God is leading me, you know, to do this, to do that, to do something else or whatever, uh, a new job, uh, maybe a move to another location or whatever. And my response to them is, how do you know that God is leading you to do that? And and how how can we know that, in fact, it is God speaking to us uh, in regards to those sorts of things? Well, does it align with God's revealed word? You know, when making those changes within our lives, how is that going to help us to draw closer to him? You know, those are the things that we need to be concerned about. And if we ask ourselves that question, and we can answer that question positively, yes, it will assist us in drawing us closer to the Lord and knowing him a better way and serving him more completely, then you can be sure that it has been or that it was God speaking to you. Notice there in verse 1, right from the very beginning of this chapter, we are told And again, this is how we uh, are sure that God is speaking to us. We are told, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord. So all of the things that I've suggested are the ways that we minister uh, to the Lord. Now that brings us to our third point this morning, and that is God visits iniquity. Listen, God never forgets iniquity. He never forgets a sin. So don't ever confuse God's long-suffering and patience with his being forgetful. Now, with that said, let's go ahead and continue here in chapter 3 and read verses 10 through 14. Now, the Lord came and stood. Take it, you know, this is sort of curious because we are told, now the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Now, some people, well, I'm not quite sure about this, but it could possibly be that Samuel experienced a theophanies of God. Because notice the word here, he came and stood. So it might have been, you know, God revealing himself to Samuel in a visible, some kind of a visible manifestation. 
but we're not quite sure. It could have been some kind of a unique appearing, a theophanies, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament, but we're not quite sure. It's open to speculation. It doesn't say that, but uh, many Bible teachers believe that to be true. Well, anyway, notice going on here, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, and he said, speak for your servant hears. And once again, that's the title of this message. In other words, Samuel is ready. And what a beautiful way to respond. And I want you to think about this. You know, when God is speaking to you, like, for example, in a service like this, he may have put his hand on that area of your life that needs to be dealt with, that needs to be treated. How are you going to respond? Are you going to, be respond, are you going to respond like Samuel did? What a beautiful way to respond. Here I am, Lord, speak. He made himself ready. Verse 11, then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Now, you know, putting this uh, phrase, your ears will tingle in relationship to other portions of scripture throughout the Bible, this suggests that there is a severe judgment that's about uh, to uh, fall. And, uh, and of course, that severe judgment was upon Eli and his household and his, and his two sons. Like, for example, as a cross-reference for this, this whole idea of our ears tingling, in the book of Jeremiah, for example, if you quickly turn there with me, in Jeremiah 19 and verse 3, because of God's people, Israel, backsliding, in Jeremiah chapter 19, in verse 3, we read, And say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I will bring such a catastrophe on this place that whoever hears of it, his ears will tingle. So whenever you see that phrase uh, being used, it mostly uh, suggests that judgment is about to uh, fall. And here in context, it relates to Eli and his uh, sons. Now in verse 12, in that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to uh, end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. He didn't do anything about it. He never removed his sons because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or for offering forever. In other words, there's not going to be any intercession on behalf of Eli or either his sons. In other words, it's too late. Judgment has been sealed. Now, this raises an interesting question for us. Do we ever come to a place where our sins cannot be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever? Well, the answer to that question is only if we reject the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. You know, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, in verse 26, there we are told, if we reject the work of Christ for us, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. But anyway, as it relates to Eli and his sons, it was too late. Their judgment was sealed. There was no intercession available uh, for them. Now, so the message given to Samuel, now remember, he's speaking to Samuel here. It's God speaking to Samuel. It must have been terrifying for him. The rejection, 
the denunciation of the man he had come to love. Remember when his mom and dad, Elkanah and Hannah, gave young Samuel to minister uh, there in the tabernacle alongside of Eli. He was only three years old. So nine years had already passed. And during those nine years, he formed a bond with Eli, the high priest. Eli took care of him, watched over him, counseled him, prepared him for the work that he was uh, given by God to do. And I'm sure that uh, Samuel loved Eli. And so this must have been terrifying for him. That is the rejection, the denunciation of the man that he had come to love. What was about to take uh, place. What was that? The prophecy that's recorded for us, remember last time in 1 Samuel in chapter 2, verses 27 to 36. And that prophecy was to be carried out from beginning to end. And what was that? Well, there was a curse that was pronounced upon all of Eli's descendants. None would live a long life. They would always be in want, and his two sons would be killed simultaneously. And so Eli's son's fate had been sealed. Their persistent, perverse conduct was to reap its inevitable harvest. They were going to be wiped out together in the same day. Listen, iniquity is never forgotten by God. Let me say this again. Don't confuse God's long-suffering and patience with his forgetfulness. And Eli's ministry would be taken from him and given to another faithful priest. And who was that other faithful priest? It was Samuel. And then in verses 15 through 21, let's pick up there. So Samuel laid down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him about the impending judgment. And he said, this is uh, Eli now responding to this news, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. And so Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, Dan was located in the northernmost part of Israel, uh, Bathsheba in the uh, southernmost part of uh, Israel, uh, the equivalent of that would, would be here in the United States from California to New York City, that Samuel had been established as the prophet of the Lord. And then once again, the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online. Just go to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or 
Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Would you like to connect with us on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today. And we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.